Good evening. Um, could I get someone to turn up the lights and to shut the door? And I forgot to turn the air on, so unless you... It's on? Okay. So someone turned it on. Don't bite my head off. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure it was comfortable. A little bit up. Yeah, if you could, do. Thank you. Man. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. You're comfortable and you don't want the air on more. All right. Good evening. A couple of things I want to let you know about. One is our Good Friday service that is taking place here, Friday, of course, at 6 o'clock. It'll be about an hour total, the whole uh, service or whole gathering. Also, we are not having a Grassroots Friday. The DJ and the feature canceled and couldn't make it. And so we thought, well, let's just wait and we'll do it next month. And so we won't be having the grassroots after the Good Friday service. So just to let you guys know those things. Okay, we're continuing our series on spirit. This is our third of what I think is going to be five. And really, I think this one is probably one of the ones that would be... um, I don't know if it most useful is the word, but something that I think is on the the minds of us so many times when we think of spirit, because what we really want to know is how does the Holy Spirit man, manifest himself, make himself known in our lives? And so far, I mean, we've talked about the fact that we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings that have a physical appetite, not physical beings with a spiritual appetite, that when God created us and breathed his life into us, we are connected to God, not just in the spiritual realm, but actually even in the creation of our bodies, our souls, our emotions, our minds, as well as that invisible area that we don't see. But we are spiritual beings in all those dimensions. And so we can't limit the work of God to just the things that are unseen and not recognize that what we do is actually spiritual as well. And that God is closer than we recognize, that God is among us, in him we live and move and have our being. And, and just as a fish is moved by the currents of the ocean, we should be people moved by the currents of the Spirit as he works in us. And and today, I want to look at what does that look like, okay? If God is so big, and I think we can all agree that God is big, and so we're going to, you know, if God is just huge, God, okay? God is big. And think of the universe and how vast the universe is. And if the universe is so vast, we know that the one who created it is even greater, bigger than the universe. And so you think of omnipresence, all the O's that that come in there, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful. God is incredibly vast, powerful, and beyond the things that we can see or understand. And so imagine the universe, if the whole universe and the galaxies are just an expression of who this God is, and then imagine us. Okay? You are here. And that's not just you. That's the seven billion yous 
that are here. You're a you in the you, okay? Imagine this scenario. How does this being get something into the mind of these beings, right? That's kind of what we're looking at today. And so let's have a little empathy for God and what his task is here, okay, what he has to do. And so turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. The spirit we've talked about is to be a force that works within us, but not just an energy or a force, but actually the person of God working in and through us. And we talked about how he empowers us a little bit last week. And so here is where we see what is known as the birth of the church, where the Spirit of God comes upon a group of people and moves in their lives. And it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving, oops, I'm in chapter one. We're going to get there later. Sorry. Chapter two. I was like, wait a second. Okay. Chapter two. And you guys are always so quiet. No one ever says, wait, is that chapter one? You guys are like, oh, well, let's see how long he can make a fool of himself now. Chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygra, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I love that. It's like, wait till later, then they'll be drunk. Not right now. It's too early. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And so we see this incredible event take place. One that has substance to it, something that we, we can actually see. And here is one of these times where it seems that God shows up in a miraculous way. And God has shown up in other miraculous ways. I mean, throughout the scriptures, we see that God has done different things. We saw with Moses, right? There was the burning bush. I know this is green, but this is fire. So use your imagination. There was the burning bush, and then there was the pillar of fire. What is a pillar of fire look like? Okay, the pillar of fire. And then there was the cloud. That's a cloud. In the evening, these were manifestations that God showed up and had this kind of visible representation of what they could see. And here is another manifestation where God is showing up, making himself known. And the scriptures tell us that more than all these showing ups of God, these manifestations of God, that we see in Jesus the clearest representation. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In time past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him, he also made the universe. Verse 3, it says that the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. And so we see in Jesus the clearest representation, the clearest manifestation of who God is. It's clearer than all the other little appearances that he makes, whether to Abraham and the, the angels that come down, whether it's through something miraculous like the stone and the rock that Moses hit and that rock was supposedly, you know, well, he says was Christ, the author of Hebrews. In Christ himself, we see the biggest manifestation of who God is. And so what we're seeing is that God brings us to himself through the person of Jesus, but he brings himself to us through the Spirit. In other words, God is bringing us to himself through the Son, but he brings himself to all of us through the Spirit, and he uses us to reach the world around us. That the Spirit of God is God himself showing up in the flesh, and if Jesus is God in man, the Spirit of God is God in mankind. Okay? So this God in flesh is Jesus. The Spirit of God now is working in all of mankind. So again, if Jesus is God in man, then the Spirit of God is God in mankind. But really the question that we have is how do we know if God is working in us? How do I know if the Spirit of God is at work in my life? What, what does that look like? I mean, have you ever just felt God? I hope you have. And it might be in a time of worship where you're singing and you just feel the presence of God and it's just overwhelming and you just are so moved and it's a wonderful experience. But then you might go outside and 
get in an accident with your car, and then where's the Spirit of God now, right? It's like he was here a minute ago. Where did he go? And you have this kind of distance. And what happens is the, the Spirit of God can become very subjective. Subjective to our circumstances, subjective to our emotions. And, and we know what this is like. You know, when things are difficult, when the car doesn't start, we don't feel the Spirit of God near us, right? It's like, I don't feel the Spirit of God near me right now. The car doesn't start. When our girlfriend or boyfriend breaks up with us, or, well, if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, or, or you know, some you get food poisoning, you don't feel the Spirit of God near you. It, it feels, he feels distant because of how you feel. And so there's a lot of things that are subjective, where it's dependent on our emotions, dependent on our circumstances, dependent on the things that are happening around us. And what what happens is those events, sometimes because they are so subjective, they aren't transformative. They move us, but they don't change us. They're not bad, but they're not enough. Thank you, Adil, for turning on the air. I know you guys protested before, but it feels good, right? <laughs> so they're, they're not bad, but they're not necessarily something that transforms us, okay? The spirit becomes subjective to those experiences. And when you have a headache, you don't feel the spirit of God. If you have migraines, the spirit of God is nowhere to be found. You can't even think let alone sense or have that understanding of the Spirit of God. And our relationship with God and the Spirit becomes connected to these emotions. And so what happens is if I want to have the work of God take place in my life, I got to get back to that emotion. I got to get back to church. I got to get back to let's have another time of worship. I got to get back to let's have another time of prayer. I got to get back to let's have this event happen over and over again so I can have the work of the Spirit of God inside my life. And then... Also with the subjective becomes the spectacular. And we've all seen this on Christian TV, right? And maybe we've seen it other places too. The spectacular, it's not something that doesn't happen. We see it in scripture as well, where there is something powerful taking place, where God does something like we just read in the book of Acts. This moment that these disciples experienced was both subjective and was spectacular. A spirit of God came in what seemed like tongues of fire. Not sure what that means, but it sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty wild, right? It seems like this. I mean, a tongue of fire. What does that look like? You know, what, what does that mean? It's supposedly this, you know, representation of the spirit now moving. Well, it's not supposedly it is in the lives of these people. And so here is something that is both subjective and spectacular taking place. And so what we start to do is I can know that the spirit of God is manifesting himself in my life if the spectacular is happening. If people are being healed, if God is doing the miraculous, if there are things taking place, let me turn this off. I think that was me. Um, 
If things are taking place that are supernatural, the spectacular, then I have this sense that the Spirit of God is at working in my life, okay? And I can imagine that the disciples would look back at this moment and never forget it. They would look back and say, remember that day. Because it was a powerful expression, something that we felt. There was a powerful just representation, something that was spectacular that they saw. And it would be something that they would remember. And and there may be times in your life where you have moments that you remember when God did something in you or through you, and it leaves a powerful impression in your memory. And it connects you to that because God shows up. But is that the only way that God shows up? Is that how he shows up? Notice that what's happening here is that there were others who were around them and they heard and understood what they were saying. And so I think it's interesting, especially in this area where the gift of tongues is concerned or the spectacular is concerned, because so many times we think the manifestation and the filling of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, there's a lot of language, has to do with us, that God is doing this for us. But what we see taking place here at the very beginning is that it was being done and that others were understanding. So it's not just an esoteric experience that we have It's not just for us. God is unleashing this conversation that he is having with all of humanity. They heard the message of life in their own language. It was a spectacular way. It was definitely something that they could sense. But it happened not just to the few that it happened to. It happened to them and it happened to those around them. And I think that's very important because we can confuse the working of the Holy Spirit with just subjective experiences, just the things that we sense, just the things that we feel, or we confuse it with only spectacular things, only the things that are over the top. It's got to be miraculous. It's got to be something that happens there. And and what really we're wanting to know in, in this desiring to see the spectacular, to sense the subjectives, we're asking is how can we know the Spirit is here with us? How do we have that understanding that we are filled, that we are alive, that we are working in conjunction and in communion with God? How does the Spirit of God manifest himself among us? Is it just subjective Is it just spectacular? And so we're going to look at some of these things and understand how it takes place. You know, I talked about this before. I got this Fitbit and it's keeping track of me. It's there to tell me what I'm doing. It tells me how many steps I take. It tells me how well it doesn't tell me how much food i'm eating unless i tell it how much i'm eating and so you can lie to it um but that defeats the purpose it also tells you how much you sleep it gives you your sleep pattern and that's the thing that i thought was the coolest because i wanted to know how much do i sleep 
because I don't think I sleep a lot, but I could be wrong. Maybe I'm sleeping more than I know. Maybe I fall asleep sometimes and I'm not aware of it because I'm just asleep. And it not only tells you how much you sleep, it tells you if you wake up during the night. And so, like, last night, I actually overslept, and I got over six hours, six hours and 50 minutes. I know, I, I slept a lot. And I had zero minutes awake, so I had a, a full night's sleep. However, I did have two minutes of restless sleep. Kareem probably kicked me or something. Okay. The night before wasn't quite as good. I had about five hours and 40 minutes, and I had... Again, no awake time, so when I'm sleeping, I'm doing good. But I did have 19 minutes of restless sleep. I know. I didn't know. That's how it was. Now, Sunday wasn't a good day. Sunday I had three hours, two minutes of sleep. I had eight minutes of awake time and 11 minutes of restless time. So look at it this way. I've made progress since Sunday. I'm doing much better. But you, you see, the, the Fitbit starts telling you a little bit of what your patterns are. It kind of keeps track of those things that you do. It tells me how many steps I walk. You know, there's, and when you walk 10,000 steps, it actually kind of vibrates and lets you know you've reached your goal. You've gotten 10,000 steps. And then it'll send me emails and it's, you know, gives you advice. Like, why don't you take the stairs instead of the escalator? <laughs> Like, why don't you mind your own business, you know? <laughs> but it's kind of telling you these things, what you should be do, what you should do. I mean, and it's this neat way of knowing the things that we don't usually keep track of. But wouldn't it be great if there was a band we could wear that told us when we were walking in the Spirit? That, you know, when you're doing right and you're in the right frame of mind and the, the things that are happening in your life are in line with the things of God, that it would start to vibrate and say yes and have a, a tongue of fire or something like that. And it's like, it's happening, it's happening, be aware. I mean, it would be great if we knew how many steps we were walking with the Spirit of God, but how do we know? And, and so I want to give us a few areas where we can kind of find out how we do know that we are walking with the Spirit of God. And the first two are going to be kind of inner, things that are taking place in the inner world, things that are taking place within us that help us to understand the Spirit of God is working within us. And so turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, starting at verse 22. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit, when he says the fruit, he is saying the manifestation the evidence, the proof of the Spirit, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is this understanding. This is how you know. The manifestation of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. That means you're, you're not limited. You're not held to a limit. There, there is no law when it comes to these things. You can love. There's no speed limit to how much you can love or be patient. Okay? It's not like, I'm being too patient today. Right? Does that ever happen? No. Not to me. 
I don't know about you. I shouldn't speak for you, but there isn't this idea of too patient, too forbearing. You know, it's something that is without that limit. There is no law against kindness, against goodness. And so he says, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the Spirit. Notice that. We live by the Spirit. Because of what Christ has done, we are now live. That's right, like TV. We are live. We are alive because of what He's done. We live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking each other. And so, This is how we have a manifestation of the Spirit of God is these are the things that show up in our life. And you see, the first thing he's really talking about, this inner representation, is character. Hey, used them both. Our character. How you can know the Spirit of God is at work in you is by the character that you have. If you are loving, if you are kind, if you are patient, if you are under self-control, these are areas where the Spirit of God is being manifest in you, where you are bearing fruit. And so we recognize that this is one of the areas that he shows up in us. You see, you're not always subjective. You're not always feeling emotional. There's not always the spectacular taking place. But the character should be something that is a part of you. A part of how you live. A part of your life. You will continue to be transformed as God works in your life. You should be able to look back a year from today and say, I am more loving today than I was a year ago. If you can't say that, then there is an absence of the manifestation of God in your life. If you can't look a year from today and say, I have more peace in my life today than I did that year past, then you're not manifesting, walking in step with the Spirit of God. He's given you life, but you're out of step with the life that He gives. And so this is something that grows and continues. There is no law. There is no limit. You should continue to grow in all these areas that Galatians talks about. Galatians talk about that fruit of the Spirit. These should all be things that you are becoming more like Christ in. We are looking more like Jesus today, hopefully, than we did a year ago. And you see, he has given us His life. We are alive in Christ. This is how we are to live. This is who we are to be. And so we have to understand and stop being the you that you were and start being the you that you can be. And it would be better to be it sooner rather than later. Right? This is who you were. This is who you're to be. Start being that. How do I know if that's taking place? It starts to shape my life. 
my character starts to become like the character of God, shaping who he is, who I am through what he has done and what he is doing. And this is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. So many times we don't think about character when we think of the Spirit. We want the subjective, how I feel. We want the spectacular. I want to see something, but we don't want to be something. And that being is what then others see. You start becoming the visual representation of who God is to the people around you. You start becoming something that actually can be spectacular, even though it's ordinary for you. And so here becomes the transformative work that God does in our lives by us just walking with him and allowing him to shape our character. You read about the apostles and you read about people who have given their lives for Christ. And and it doesn't even have to be the miraculous. Sometimes it's just the boldness. Sometimes it's the servitude that they have that starts to stand out to us and they start to become someone that moves us subjectively that we see as spectacular and all it is is a result of their character. And so don't limit the character of God and say, oh no, that's not the Spirit of God. That's just how you act. It's more than that. It's much more than that. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 9. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Listen to that. There are things that God reveals to us. This guy, right? God reveals to us by his spirit. God is sharing something with us. God is revealing something to us. He is unfolding something to us and he does it by his spirit. The the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Whoa. There are deep things of God. That's deep, right? What are the deep things of God? The Spirit searches the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So, you know, have you ever been there and you're standing and you're, you're looking at someone and you're thinking about something completely different? They're talking to you and they're telling you about their day and you're thinking about lunch. <laughs> and you're wondering, should I go to Chipotle or In-N-Out? And you're looking right at them and you might even be shaking your head, yes. No one knows the spirit of a man except what's in that man, right? Y- you know what you're thinking, but they don't. There are things in you that you know that no one else does good and bad. Usually we let people know the good, we hide the bad. So no one knows 
the spirit of a person except for that person. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12, it says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things which come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned or discerned only through the Spirit. And so here we are seeing that there are things that God reveals to those who have his spirit. There is understanding given by God to people. And so this would be something that we call wisdom. Wisdom is a way that God manifests himself in our lives. He, he gives us wisdom. He gives us this discerning to make judgments about these things. Okay, so he says in verse 15, the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject merely to human judgment for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. And so now Paul is telling us that the spirit of God is revealing to us the things, the deep things about God, the things that God would have us know, understand, and how to live. And that sometimes these things are contrary to how the things of this world would run. You know, the Spirit of God might move you to do something that in the mind of other people doesn't seem like the best choice. When we were in La Paz a week or so ago, and we were looking at different places to set up and stage the creativity tour that we were doing, there was one place that was next to a house. And so we didn't want to just show up with, you know, 25 people next to this person's house, and all of a sudden they go outside and they see 25 people with blankets and pillows laying on the lot next to them. And, and so what we did is we rang the buzzer. It was a real nice house. We rang the doorbell, and this woman came to, out eventually because Brenda was there. David asked her to come out. She's like, who are you? What do you want? And then Brenda spoke Spanish, and she's oh, okay, I'll come out. She came out, and she says, well, I'm eating right now. What do you guys want? And so we told her, well, we want to, you know, we're part of a church. We're going to want to set something up. And we just wanted to let you know if it was okay. We can meet in this lot next to you. We didn't want to surprise you. We're just being considerate of her. Thought that was the right thing to do, a nice thing to do. And she said, yeah, that'd be fine. That'd be great. Later on during the day, as we started doing some other things, there were some other great spots. And one of the things was, well, should we do this spot instead of this? And one of the, the thoughts that... David had, he said, you know what? We told Dorita, that was her name, I remember it because it sounded like Doritos. We, we remembered Dorita. Hey, remember what you can, how you can. We told her that we were going to be there. We should be there. Even if this spot might seem better, there's something more at work than just the spot. We have to rep represent who we are well. 
there might be a time maybe in business and in work where if you were to lie or to do something a little bit underhanded, you might be able to go further, but because of the character of God, it gives you wisdom and says, you know what, what you need to do is act this way. And God gives us wisdom because that is who God is and that's what he's giving to us is this wisdom. And and so these are areas where the, the manifestation of the spirit takes place in our lives. This, these are areas where you can know you are walking in step with God because as you are living your life, your character starts to become like his because you start to have wisdom about the situations that you speak to someone about. And that starts to unfold what's taking place in their lives through you and how you're living. And so God is revealing, telling, sharing his ideas with us, these deep things. The thoughts of God are known by the spirit of God and they are spoken to us. And so those are inner characteristics. But there's also outer characteristics, things that other people see more readily. You can call them what's known as the gifts of the spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit are other ways that God works and speaks through us. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll go verses 1 through 7. Paul says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit is going to take us back to Christ. Christ is the revelation of God, the manifestation of God, and no one is going to depart from who Christ is when they are led by the Spirit of God. And that's what he's saying. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? Again, what we saw taking place in Acts chapter 2 wasn't just what took place to the 120 that were there. It's what took place to those who saw them. The Spirit of God, the gifts of God are given for the common good. They're not just given to make you more dynamic, to make you feel better, to make you able to do something more. They're meant for the common good. And I think this is an important part that we need to embrace, especially in Western Christianity. We've become so much about a personal relationship. It's all about a personal relationship with God. But a personal relationship with God is not just an individual's relationship with God. It's connected to the body of Christ. It's connected to the work of God, which the body of Christ is supposed to be doing. And so here we see that this is taking place in us. Each one of us 
manifestation of the Spirit of God given for the common good. And so it's important that we recognize that this is what's taking place through the working of the spirits. Through the Spirit, excuse me. Maybe you've encountered this. There's been times because as, as I've grown up in my Christian faith, there have been times where I've encountered people who, who've told me that this is how God works. And especially in the area of the gifts of the Spirit. Where they say, well, you know, do you have the, the Spirit in your life? And you say, yeah, I do. They say, well, have you been filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit? Yeah, I have. And I say, well, how do you know? Well, I, I, I you know, confessed Christ and I've been walking and I've seen my character shaped differently and changed and I feel like God has given me insight and wisdom. And they might say, well, do you speak in tongues? And then you say, um, no, I don't. Well, they say, well, then you're not baptized in the Spirit. And, and I, I, people have told me that and, and I've, I've wanted to be speaking in tongues i've even faked it for a while just maybe i'd give god some momentum and it would help you know like okay here we go but i have this conscience that says you're faking it it's like i know but i'm trying you know i'm hoping i'll just stop and god will take off and and take over from here and it, it didn't happen but I know that there have been times where I've been talking with someone and God will speak to me and say, this person is involved with this. And all of a sudden I know something about them that I shouldn't know. And I know that because in the conversation I will go there. I remember having a conversation with a couple, it was some premarital counseling and I was talking to them and I just saw that she was a little downcast and in the conversation I was asking how are you guys doing and I said oh we're doing okay and I just felt like God told me what was wrong and it was real specific God says she's not doing well because she feels like every time they see each other it's just to have sex oh okay you know I don't like getting that information I don't want to know that. You know, can we just put that in the... I, I don't want to know about what someone's doing, but I've got all of a sudden this real clear kind of understanding, or I feel, that was given to me by God. And so in the conversation, I say, you know what? Sometimes this happens in relationships before the marriage takes place, where you know you, you start wanting to be close, but it seems like the only way you can be close is through the physical relationship. And so to get to the closeness you want, you have the physical, but then it starts seeming like the physical isn't really getting you close to the relationship you want. It, it's just a physical thing, and it's actually not taking you where you want to be. And then she starts crying. And she starts saying, that's exactly what's happening. And so I have the affirmation, okay, God did speak to me. So I I might not speak in tongues, but I think God speaks to me. And I think he gives me discernment. There are times when I'll be speaking and I'll just look at someone and I feel like they're talking to me. They're telling me something that's happening in their life. And, And I think it's God telling me this is what's going on in their lives. You guys are going to be freaked out, right? 
<laughs> and I believe God is telling me these things so that I can communicate more effectively to the people who are here. And I believe that's a gift that the Spirit gives. You see, we don't have all the same gifts and we shouldn't require all the same gifts. And, and I'm not here tonight to talk about all the variances of the gifts of the Spirit. I, I'm trying to get us to connect to something a lot bigger, to who God is and how God does a work. And I want to get rid of some of the stereotypes that actually hinder us from the things that God can do and wants to do in our lives, but because we're wanting the subjective or the spectacular, we actually miss out on what the gifts are. Because the gifts are God working in us for the common good. All the abilities that you possess, all the gifts that have come from God to you are so that you can be a gift to the world around you. The gifts aren't just so that you can feel good. They're there for the common good. And again, that little dot is not just you. It's all humanity. And, and God is wanting to use you to reshape all of humanity. And so God gives you spiritual gifts that help you to not just function in the world, but bring the function of God to the world. And he does it by enabling you with various gifts. Supernatural as well as natural. And so these gifts are one of the ways that God works. And there's another way that God manifests himself and that's through action. The last one here. Turn to first or Acts chapter 1. This is where I, I left off, and that's why I started there. Acts chapter 1. And let's actually start at verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For ba John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. You will be the manifestation of who I am to Jerusalem, Judea, to the uttermost parts of the world. You're going to receive my spirit. And when you have my spirit, you will have my power because you will know my presence and are you are going to go and take my mission to the world. Remember that idea of common good here to the world. You see, the Holy Spirit manifests himself when we choose to become people of action. When we choose to be people who walk with him. 
and the things that he has for us. So many times we think the Spirit of God is this jacuzzi. We just get in there and it's like, ah, get near the jet right there on the back. Oh, okay, God, that's where the Spirit of God is. And we want this kind of spiritual jacuzzi, but you will never know the power of the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowering, the filling of the Spirit, whatever you want to call it. You will not know that until you begin to align your life in movement with the work of God. Where God moves, you move. Where His Spirit moves, we move with Him. And His Spirit moves in us. You want the filling, the power, the enabling of the Spirit of God, then you need to be moving with God. Because when you are moving with God, the Spirit of God is going to be moving in you. So many times, even in our emotions, you feel sad, you feel you know depressed. But if you start doing things that a depressed person wouldn't do, it actually changes your mood. Well, why don't you get together and come to the party? No, I'm feeling depressed. And then you go to the party and all of a sudden I'm feeling like I'm at a party. I'm happier. Why? Because you changed your location. You changed your environment. And if we would walk in step with the Spirit, we would find a spiritual environment starts to shape our lives and starts to empower who we are. And you'll never know the power of the Spirit until you walk in the Spirit. This is spiritual maturity. And you see, spiritual maturity isn't how much you learn and how much you know and how you know wise you can get in knowledge about the scriptures or about these kinds of things. What maturity is, is when the Spirit of God moves, you move, and there's a short time in between. That's maturity. God moves, I move. That's a spiritually mature person. A spiritually immature person would be a spirit of God moves. I'm thinking about moving someday, maybe later, maybe next week. And then eventually they kind of start moving along. That's not a spiritually mature person. The spiritually mature person is the one who moves when God moves and does it right now. That closes that gap between the work of God and my work. Movement of God and my movement. That's what it is to be spiritually mature. And it's amazing what God can do through a person who moves. But so many people just want to sit in the jacuzzi. God, I want to fill your spirit. And God says, let's go. And so that's why when you find yourself doing things, you find yourself having just insight into what's happening with people. You, you find yourself there and God starts to show up. Why? Because you're where God is. And so instead of expecting the Spirit of God to come down and to do some subjective, spectacular thing in your life, why don't you start moving where the Spirit of God would be moving? And then all of a sudden you find that your life is spectacular you find that the subjective starts to happen because you're in line with what God is already doing. You see, that's where you want to be. That's the ticket. Not to wait for God to do something, but to do what God is doing. And then your life becomes what others can see. You start living in what is the common good. 
starts doing this not just for yourself, but for others because you are in line and in movement with the working of God. If you don't want to get a memo from God, you know, we don't want to get a a memo from God's Spirit saying, you didn't take enough steps today. I don't want my Fitbit to say, nope, not today. You, You didn't get enough sleep. I don't want to get a memo from the Spirit of God saying, you didn't do enough. You want to know why I didn't show up in your life today? It's because you didn't take enough steps. Because you didn't allow my voice to start transforming your character. And you guys have all sensed that. Have you ever shouted out at someone or maybe your kids and you've done this and you know, that wasn't good. I need to say I'm sorry. Anyone here? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Just feeling a little vulnerable up here. I was saying, okay, Ted, I'm going to call Ted. I was shaking his head yes, so I, but I didn't want to call him out too. Do you realize that the God who created this, the, the God who is beyond even what we know, has ministered into your heart, you need to say you're sorry. That that the God who has created the cosmos has given you conviction when you do things wrong. When you step out of line, you're dishonest and you feel, oh, that was, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted in that way. That it is the Spirit of God wanting to change your character. And when you allow that to take place, and you start hearing his voice and allowing that to shape your life. And you start then taking the things that you do and doing them for other people. And you start actually moving with God. Then God shows up in your personal life. Your character changes. You become a person of wisdom. You become a person who uses your gifts, talents, and passions for the common good of the world around you. You become a witness of who Jesus is. I love that in Acts. He says, you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say, you will go out and witness. He says, you will be my witnesses. You see, that little dot that is informed and transformed by the Spirit of God is now an expression of who God is to everyone around them. You will be my example. You will be the manifestation of God because you are walking with God. You become a witness of who Jesus is to those who desperately need him. And then the subjective and the spectacular start to take place when you walk in step. And that's where we want to live. That's how God manifests himself in us. Don't seek the spectacular. Don't seek the subjective. Seek to be a person of character. Seek to be a person who listens and has the wisdom of God. Seek to be a person who when God gives you that insight that gifting, that you use it for the common good and be a person of action. And you will find yourself living a very spectacular life.
and God will show up and it starts to become natural because you're in step with him. Let's pray. Father, I know I'm not alone in wanting you to manifest your work in me, through me, to see the manifestation of your spirit take place. Lord, may we practice these things that we talked about. May we bear fruit. May we have your wisdom. May we receive your gifts and give them. And may, Lord, we be people of action who don't just sit and talk about these things, but we actually live them out in a world that desperately needs it. And Father, you have called us to be your witnesses. Lord, this is what it looks like. It's not just one thing we do. Father, it's who we are. And so help us to be your witnesses. God, may we see where we lack character. May we ask for wisdom, even as James has told us. Father, may we desire to be people who can help those around us. And so use our gifts. May we put them into practice so that we can be useful. We thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.